You're listening to the Young Adult Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, challenge you, and lead you closer to Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy. All right, all right. So, we are jumping into a new series this month, into the book of James, which I am personally super excited about. For a couple reasons. One, James is a book that is authentic and just outright brutal. Okay, when I say it smacks people in the face, I'm usually talking about it smacks me in the face. But I hope that as we go through this together, it smacks you as well with conviction and with love and with power. As the Holy Spirit can transform its word into your heart so that it's maintained and written there for you to live out every single day. On that note... Kids are weird. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have kids yet, but I used to work at a preschool. And, um, man, kids are weird. Okay? Like, I, I used to uh, work with four-year-olds. And with working with four-year-olds, you can see a lot about human nature just by observing these little minions. Okay? Uh, what do I mean? Well, they do the most ridiculous things. I mean, like, yeah, they may be four, but hitting your head up against a wall thinking it's funny isn't really that funny. And, and they do that. Uh, they'll, they'll do crazy things. I, I remember this one kid, just to get him to settle down for nap time, he would have to run around, run around, wake everybody up and get everyone's attention. And then finally, when he would slip or fall or hit his head or something and cry, then he could go to sleep. And it was like, oh my goodness, all along you could have just taken this rest and then you could have played, you know? It's super weird. See, sometimes there's pain in what they go through and I think sometimes there's pain in what we go through. But the question that I like to ask ourselves is for what? What's the point? Lifters, uh, weightlifters will go out to, to hurt themselves and, and do all these crazy things to their bodies, but for the purpose of gaining weight and, and muscular physique and being stronger. See, there's a gain. People will go and, and do crazy hikes over the weekend with their buddies, and uh, <laughs> it's brutal, but uh, they do it for some gain. Now, I don't know what gain this was, but uh, I heard a story about Ethan about two years ago who made a concoction of sorts at Hume Lake. Now, this concoction of sorts was, was tri-tip, mashed potatoes, was uh, salt and pepper, I mean, a bunch of spices, too, and some gross soda, probably like Great Fanta or something, right? Mixed in all together, and he drank it. And I thought to myself, wow, when listening to this story, man, that, that's daring. But for what? Right? Whenever there is a challenge we choose to face, hopefully there's something at the end of it that's worth it. Like running and, and all the other examples. Maybe you too are suffering from some trial or pain, suffering from being burnt out or stressed or worried, but for what purpose and to what end? Let's jump into James chapter 1 if you're not there already. Uh, before we continue any further, I, I just want to say this as well. See, being a Christian means that we live a different way. Jesus says that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. But I think for the most part, Christians aren't in any better shape 
than the rest of the world. I think we look just like them, running, running around like chickens with your head cuts off, cuts off, right? Now, let's go into James chapter 1. Verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, I think this is a trial uh, right here, just to consider these things a pure joy. Just to consider a trial in and of itself as pure joy is already a trial in and of itself, right? Today in this message, I want us to walk away with two things. One, to set the believer on a journey to free themselves from the trials they don't need to face. And two, to set the believer on a path to face trials that they do need to face. Now, verses one through two, right? Or two through three. Consider a pure joy because of the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. So what is this? There's purpose in the pain. What is perseverance? Perseverance keeps us from stopping. We, we continue. Imagine if you were held back in school, and maybe you were. Uh, that, that's a hard thing to do. That, that sucks. You're not able to progress forward and continue on to get a, a degree in, in whatever you're trying to do. But see, when you have perseverance and you let it finish its work, you become mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, perseverance cre- creates our endurance for purpose. Hebrews 12.2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus ran with perseverance. For to him, it was the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. There was a purpose on this. How many of you guys know that that one dude who uh, is just always complaining, like always saying something, something's always going on? And it's, it, I'm sure it sucks. I'm sure that that's a real thing, right? But man, it, it's, you know, I used to have this, this buddy of mine who'd be like, oh man, the enemy's attacking me. Oh, man, you know, he's tripping me up. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, stay away from the girls and, and, and from the lust and all this stuff. And then I'd see, like, him, like, DMing these people, and I'd be seeing him, like, go after these things. And I'm like, yo, you're kind of, what are you doing? You're creating trials for yourself that you don't need to. Like, it's already going to be hard, but yet you're almost like, the enemy is almost like digging you a hole, and yet you're taking the shovel and helping. It's like, what are you doing? And I think as Christians, we can sometimes do that. You may be asking, though, where is the purpose in my trial? You may be going through something that, that is hard, okay? I don't want to diminish that. You may be going through something that, that is horrible. And, and I want to address this, too, because I think in church sometimes we kind of 
there's a point to be made, and, and, and we kind of go past it sometimes, and we kind of forget, like, the, the human side of it, uh, of the people who are listening. You know, I, I think when people talk about the things that are hard that people go through, I think we need to understand that it, God never wanted you for, to have to go through that. that. That's not what something God would do. He wouldn't have had this thing come up and, and have you be horribly abused or, or whatever the, the thing may be just because of a, a purpose at the end of it. No. But see, my God can redeem things, right? And so when we talk about these trials and the things that are coming up, I want us to know that the heart of God behind it is to help us through it, help us in spite of it, because we live in a broken world, not because we serve a broken God. Now, I believe that just from these two verses, from these couple of verses, God desires for you to persevere so that you may not be hindered for what he has for you. I almost kind of think of it this way. If you're complaining about a breeze that's coming from a fan, right, there's a fan blowing right here, and I'm complaining about a breeze, why would God ever send me outside? He just wouldn't. You know, and so we got to be responsible with what, with, with the things that are given to us. With the trials that we have, are we going to, complain and, and give up, or are we going to continue and let him redeem them? Now, some of you, this may be hitting home. Some of you are maybe are tracking. Maybe some of you are lost. So these next verses are for you. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, <laughs> you should ask God who gives generously to all uh, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Right here, when we face these trials, when we face these testings, God has already given us a promise that we can ask him for wisdom to guide us through it. I pray this prayer every single day. It's huge. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like James might be going somewhere with these, with these verses. Verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. What is James saying? Talking about rich people now? Talking about the, the wealth? This is kind of out of left field, right? I, I think James is, is hitting on something here. See, James, I think, is telling us of a perspective that we should have in what we pursue. See, I believe he's saying taking pride in your high position if you are poor, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. Why? Because in spite of eternity, it's worthless. In fact, it's even more than worthless. Let's jump back, verse 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. What the Bible warns about time and time again is the dangers of wealth. Let me ask you something. Are you rich? Oh, yes. <laughs> nice. The, the, yeah, the main series that we're in. Yes, spiritually we're rich. But how about physically with wealth? Are we rich? I would say no for me. I, I know we're, I'm talking to a bunch of young adults, right? We're, we're not in the, uh, the high class of society right now, right? And so I would say no. But so already with having nothing else to turn to, how hard is it to trust God? Still pretty hard. 
Now imagine even now how harder will it be to trust God when you have something else you can turn to instead? See, I, I pray that you don't get rich if it, takes, if it means taking you away from God. I pray that I don't get rich if it means taking myself away from God. And yes, I, I mean it. See, because the point is, is I believe that anything else that can deter you from facing the trials in the right way is something that you, sh- you shouldn't even pay attention to. Don't, don't try to waste your time trying to solve the issues or, or the trials or to distract yourself from anything other than the one who can, who can redeem them, from the one who can solve them. Verse 9 through 11. Why do we praise and worship those who are rich? Matthew 19, verses 23 through 24. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a person enter, will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. In American society, I think a lot of times we often have this idea of what the ideal life would look like, right? You, you make all this money, you, you do it all, you, you work very hard, you overwork, in fact. Family's not really a big thing until you're old and you, you can't really go anywhere else. And, uh, and then what? You retire, you kind of just do nothing. And, and for what purpose? Why do we take on trials we don't need to face? Verse 9 says, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. What you consider a high position in this world isn't. But what you regard as worthless is priceless. Chase after the will of God, not of man. God will give you as he sees fit, whether in a lot or little. Praise him. Do not seek the path that is hard for a purpose that is worthless, chasing after money like it is the wind. What will last, your money or God? Honestly, I like James' words better. Verse 11, for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossoms falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Are you facing a a problem a trial in life right now, and you're trying to solve it using all these different means that uh, of your works, of your things that you think might help. Ask yourself. Verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. The word test can sometimes create an unsatisfactory image in my mind. I don't know about you. Uh, This morning when I was at PT, uh, for those who were contracted, we pretty much did a run. Now, for all those who are still in the program but trying to contract and trying to get involved in stuff, they had to do this physical fitness assessment uh, test. And so basically all it was was you have to do a set amount of push-ups, set amount of sit-ups, and then a run. Well, after I got back from my run, I came back. I looked around, I started talking to some people who had taken the test, and I asked them, I said, hey, how'd it go? Um, And uh, some of them passed, some of them didn't. 
And I think sometimes when we think of the word test, and especially in this, when it sounds like God is testing us, it almost sounds like you either passed or you didn't. You're either in or you're out. Now, what's super cool about the Bible is that time and time again, story after story, you see all these people taking tests from God, going out on these crazy adventures and, and doing all these amazing missions. And, and some of them pass and some of them fail, but in the whole grand scheme of their life, do they measure up? No. Until Jesus. And so, with Jesus, he was the one who fulfilled our the test that we failed at, and he passed on our behalf. And so when we're talking about this, if we are Christians who have accepted Jesus, then it isn't a test of salvation, but rather the word test can be referred to as an opportunity. You have the opportunity to choose what is good and be responsible for what you can control. And what can you control in this life? You. Psalms 23 says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sakes. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that psalm. And it's a psalm we might hear a lot, but I think it might relate to this message in a specific way, and that is, I think when we go through the valleys, when we go through tough times, God is there. God doesn't want you going after these things that that aren't good, whether it be to cover up for a trial or a mistake that we made or to fight a, a trial. He wants us to go to him, always. And so when I think about the, the four-year-olds that I used to watch. And when I think about us and when I think about me, I think to myself, man, how many times do I make things harder on myself? How many times is it where God just wants me to get from point A to point B, and yet I take this long route because I sit there and I try to, try to find things my own way, fight battles like I was never meant to fight And when it comes to the trials and things that come my way that I can't help, I I somehow, I I go into it and I help aid in that. And I help make it more difficult for me. If I know that I'm struggling with something, why do I go ahead and allow room for that sin to, to dwell there and fester? The next verse says this in verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So God is 
not telling us to to do these things because, oh, it's just part of the rule book or, oh, because, you know. No, he's trying to help us avoid things. You, you guys ever heard of the, the analogy of, like, a Trojan horse? You, you guys, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Do you know what a Trojan horse is? Okay, for those who don't, Trojan horse was this uh, thing that happened where uh, it was the war, I think, with the, the Trojans. It was uh, the Greeks <laughs> fighting against the Trojans. I know, I had this, like, brain mo- I had this like brain explosion, like, whoa, it's with the, yeah. So I think the, the Greeks were fighting against the Trojans, and they created this, this wooden horse. And it was almost like this gift, this amazing big thing that was going to come in, that was going to be looking like this awesome thing that the, the Trojans could have. And what was inside it? It was the enemy. It was the enemy. And I think sometimes we go into things thinking that they are, they are good, that, that, hey, this thing that I'm doing, it, it, it's good. But the enemy is, like, inside of it. And so we need to be careful. Now, to close out this message... I want us to, to go to verse 22. I wasn't able to, to compi- combine everything in James chapter 1. There's so much in there. So I recommend that you go ahead yourself and, uh, and please read it because it, it, it is amazing. There's a lot of, in there. Verse 22 says this. Do not list, merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. We're going to continue on this in the next couple of weeks of what James has to offer us. But for tonight, I want us to understand that there are trials that we should face as Christians. Trials that will create perseverance to help us endure things, to make us reach the purpose on which God has for our lives. And then there's other trials that we bring on ourselves. And we have no one else to blame but God. So ask yourself, what are you fighting Where are you at? Lay down the shovel and go to God. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for how it it hits and how the book of James just smacks me in the face sometimes. And I read it thinking to myself, man, how long have I been a Christian for? And yet this speaks so much to my soul. God, I pray that for everyone in here tonight, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Let this message not just be something that we hear on a Monday night, Lord God, but I pray that the word itself, anything that is from you, God, would stick into our hearts and into our minds so that whatever trials, whatever testing comes our way, whatever opportunities that you have for us, God, I pray that we would heed them that we wouldn't miss out because of the distractions that the enemy may give us, but that, Jesus, we would steadfast and solely look to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.